BDNG podcast. My name is Tina McKenzie and I am the Education Development Lead for the BDNG. I hope you enjoy listening to the BDNG podcast and find them beneficial to your practice. These podcasts are sponsored by Amaral. Amaral has no influence over the content of these podcasts. Happy listening! Hello and welcome to the official BDNG podcast. We are here in Harrogate. My name is Ashley Cleary and I'm a clinical nurse specialist in dermatology. And alongside me today is my lovely co-host Emmanuel Tony. Hello and I'm an ACP in dermatology. And today on the podcast we have Thivi Marathapu, consultant dermatologist, and we are very excited to be talking about nutrition and the link with dermatology. So welcome to the podcast, Thivi. Thank you so much. Lovely to see you both in the flesh. <laughs> yes, it's been a long time. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit for those um, listening who don't know you tell us a little bit who you are your background and then why your interest in nutrition and dermatology so yes sure so um, I'm a consultant dermatologist I'm based in London at the Whittington Hospital and uh, my training was in London and we've worked together at guys yeah. I was a senior fellow there and you obviously looked after me when that was a mad clinic that we used to do it was so interesting and then I was a consultant at the Royal London and now I'm based at the Whittington with research at King's in the Department of Nutrition Science. And I became interested in nutrition because I just kept getting asked about it by patients all the time. They had eczema, psoriasis, acne, my interest in medical dermatology. So a lot of people with inflammatory skin conditions asking, should I change what I eat? I've changed what I've eaten. Do you think that's going to help? And when I looked in the literature, I couldn't really find a lot about it initially. And I also didn't feel like I had a really good answer. And I thought, well, if I don't really have a good answer, and I can tell people about every biologic that's come out and all the side effects. Why am I not able to answer questions about food? Food should be something we should all be able to answer questions about. So I went on and did nutrition training and I um, did a lot of literature reviews. And we have now a research project looking at the effect of diet and the skin. Amazing. And are you able to tell us a little bit about the project? What stage you're at? Yes. So it's called the Apple Study, asking people with psoriasis about lifestyle and eating. And it's funded by the Psoriasis Association. And it's the first time that we as dermatologists are collaborating with real experts in nutrition, dietitians and nutritionists. And uh, the study has run out of King's, which is one of the largest, um, very highly respected units for nutritional science. And I've just got a, a silly question. Uh, and that is, you know, what, what is nutrition? As in, obviously, I associate it with things you eat, but are supplements counted as nutrition? Absolutely. So nutrition covers not only the foods we eat, but supplements as well. And supplements is a huge umbrella term for vitamins, minerals, vitamin D comes under that, probiotics, gut health. So it's a, it's a really big umbrella and it's something that we get asked about all the time. And are there any specific skin conditions that at the moment we, we know are impacted by what we eat? So it's really interesting because food affects our skin health. So our skin health depends on the right nutrients. So are we getting enough carbohydrates, proteins, healthy fats? What about micronutrients? Have we got vitamin D, iron? Uh, B12, when we lack certain elements in our diet, often the first place we'll see it is our skin. Mm. So if you're lacking in iron, you might start shedding hair, you might be itchy. So we need proper nutrition for just the basic building blocks of our skin. But nutrition is only one part of of, uh, our skin health. We've also got genetics, hormones, all of the other factors that play a really important role. And so when it comes to skin conditions... I always feel like nutrition is a piece of the puzzle. It's not the entirety. We're not looking at food to cure skin conditions. It's one facet. And the skin conditions where nutrition appears to be relevant are eczema, 
when we think of food allergies, whether those are immediate or delayed reactions, psoriasis, and that is an anti-inflammatory diet, weight management, rosacea is linked to gut health, acne, and uh, also hydradenitis suprativa as well. But there is there are so many more that is beyond what we're able to cover today, but it, it can have an impact in many other skin conditions as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, in, in the clinics, this was we're all you know governed by um, evidence-based practice. So for the listeners, what should we be saying to our patients? So this is a very general question. Is there links that we should be directing them to about the, the current advice? Not yet. And this is the big black hole that I discovered when I was mm-hmm. looking into it. And in fact, most dietitians and nutritionists don't get trained in skin. They don't get yeah. trained in eczema psoriasis in adults eczema in children yes of course because the role of food allergies is very well established but adult skin conditions like acne psoriasis eczema are not typically part of the curriculum so there is this big void and we're trying to bring some evidence into this and there is evidence out there uh, particularly with regards to eczema and food allergies but again predominantly in children there's some early evidence for rosacea and gut health but there isn't um, solid guidelines available Mm -hmm. yet for the skin conditions that we are coming across day to day. And if I can just focus on one skin condition in particular, because I, I do do acne clinics mm. and it's a very hot topic amongst that particular patient demographic because they're all very anxious about their skin, typically teenagers, usually late teens, early 20s. Uh, what is the evidence base around diet modification and, and acne? Really good question and probably the most common question that I'm asked, what is the link between diet and acne? So if we go to the current NICE guidance, there's currently no recommendations for dietary modifications in people who have acne. Um, They do recommend following the current Eat Well guide for healthy eating, but they don't recommend cutting any specific food groups out. And if you look into why they made these recommendations, there is some evidence. It's not good quality evidence. And there is a genuine concern about food restriction and disordered eating particularly in people who are at a very vulnerable stage in their life, so teenagers, um, early 20s, very high risk, particularly women, of restrictive eating habits. So I completely understand where they're coming from with that guidance. Saying that, we get asked this question all the time in clinic, and there's a lot of nonsense online, cut out all these foods and your acne will be clear forever. So what's my experience? What's my take on it? I think for some people... they genuinely notice that certain foods trigger breakouts for them. Mm -hmm. Some people do think that if they don't eat so many sweet things, their skin is clearer. They have fewer breakouts. And there are are research projects that suggest this, but it's very difficult to do a trial, as we would do for a drug, with food and cut out a certain food group or type of food from patients and see what happens to acne. That's a really difficult study. It's really hard to get funding. Trust me, I know that, to do nutrition research. And I think there's only been a handful, I think three or four studies that have looked at uh, changing the uh, sugar content of a diet and the impact of acne as a result. Although many of those studies did show that there was benefit, it is not something I widely recommend to patients. If they're eating a lot of sweet things, if they're having lots of um, Coca-Colas a day and they're the full fat 
full sugar Coca-Colas, I would say, look, you need to be mindful of your sugar intake. But that's just general healthy eating advice. What I don't say is cut out all sugar, cut out carbohydrates, um, go on a keto diet. Those sort of extreme diets really don't have a place in the management of skin conditions. It's general healthy eating advice. But also listening to the patient that's in front of you. If your patient is saying to you, look, every time I eat this food, my acne uh, breaks out, then we have to listen to that lived experience. It is just as important. Um, even a study of patients who are sitting in a in a waiting room with acne, over 90% of them felt that food contributed to their acne. So we do have to listen to what our patients are saying and take that on board. No, definitely. And, and another question I'm sure that you get asked quite a lot is about supplements and probiotics. What, what's your take on them? So I think supplements could be really, uh, probiotics, sorry. Ugh. I think probiotics are a really interesting area. I think the gut-skin link is something we're only really starting to learn about. We're a little bit behind in dermatology compared to gastroenterology, for example. When we're thinking of a probiotic, we have to think of it almost like an antibiotic. Do we know the species? Do we know the dose? And how long are we going to prescribe it for? How long are we going to recommend that someone takes it for? And we don't really have that for any skin condition. We have some suggestions that perhaps for some people with psoriasis, there may be an improvement. There have been three small trials looking at the impact of probiotics on psoriasis. They all show benefit, but they all use different types of probiotics. So we don't yet know what exactly we should be recommending. In the clinic, what do I practically say? I say, if you want to try them, go ahead, do it for four weeks. They're expensive. If you're not seeing a benefit, there's just no point continuing with them. And I think uh, another thing as well was just about uh, supplements as well you mentioned. So uh, here in the UK, a lot of people are vitamin D deficient. Do you have any advice or guidance around dealing with them? Because I know in our psoriasis clinics, we do routinely check vitamin D levels. I'm totally with you. I also routinely check vitamin D levels, particularly eczema and psoriasis. Um, because there is evidence that uh, if you are deficient and you supplement to a normal range, that can be helpful. So when we supplement, we're thinking about are we treating a deficiency or are we supplementing beyond the normal range for presumed added benefits? We do not have evidence that going above the normal range is helpful. We only have evidence that if we treat someone who is deficient in a particular um, mineral uh, or vitamin, that that is helpful. So I do supplement for vitamin D year-round, 400 international units, up to 1,000 daily. If people cover up or they have darker skin tones and they have a skin condition, but at least throughout the winter months. And if, and if anyone listening to this wants to, I suppose, um, do a deep dive into nutrition and the evidence, what's currently out there, where would you recommend that they start? We've just written a paper, Brilliant. Shameless Plug, <laughs> uh, which has just been published in the Nutrition Bulletin, um, uh, Psoriasis and Nutrition. And it's a really broad um, overview into the different dietary evidence that there is for psoriasis. We would like to do the same for eczema and acne and rosacea, but that is all still to come. There are some nice reviews out there on rosacea and the gut link. I think that's a really interesting topic. Um, but yeah, definitely an area that more work needs to come out. Brilliant. And it, the BAD, do they have a subgroup yet for nutrition and dermatology? I haven't started one yet, but okay. I really want to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Add it to, add watch, to the list of things to do. <laughs> Just a matter of time, I think, as things become, uh, people become more and more aware. Uh, I think, yeah, the, the role of gut and kind of health and gut and skin is is very underlooked i think in in dirt if you 
delve into the world of online, I think I always hear the word, what's it, glycolysis, when it comes to kind of aesthetic and high sugar diets. Absolutely, yes. Potentially contributing to ageing. Are there any other kind of diet and skin ageing advice that we could give to listeners? Well, the reality is that the most important way that we limit skin ageing is with sun protection and being really sensible about um, UV exposure. But skin aging is really the result of the skin exposome. So all the different things that we're exposed to. That includes pollution, smoking, obviously UV, as I've mentioned, stress, sleep quality, but nutrition is there. That is one of the skin exposome. As you rightly said, um, a high sugar diet is linked to a substance that's called advanced glycation end products being produced, and they accelerate aging by damaging collagen. And the initial studies were in people with diabetes who run very high sugars, and we know that sometimes they can develop thickened areas of skin. Um, So if you're not diabetic, what's the role that excess sugar plays in ageing? Well, we all need to be sensible with our sugar intake. I don't cut sugar out completely. I mean, everybody likes sweet things. Mm -hmm. That's normal. But it's just not having too much of it uh, as contributing to skin ageing. I like to think much more about the things we want to include in our diet. And fruits, vegetables, things that have uh, brightly coloured skin are rich in antioxidants. And antioxidants in our diet, we absorb them through the gut. We absorb antioxidants through the foods we eat and they are then helping to fight free radical damage. And that is one of the key aspects of ageing. There are some studies, uh, one published in the Journal of Investigative Dermatology, which support a a nutritious diet, high in uh, fruits and vegetables as being protective against ageing. And you mentioned then about collagen as well, and I think oral collagen is quite a popular thing. Do you know much about that? Does it work really, or or is it still kind of all just uh, smoke and mirrors maybe? It's really interesting, actually. I really wanted to hate oral collagen, and I was like, this is nonsense. But I looked into the literature, and although the studies were pharma-funded, every study that's come out seems to show that it's beneficial, even in a meta-analysis. Um, we don't have a clear understanding of how they may work. They contain fragments of collagen. So it's not that you're eating the whole collagen molecule, which is enormous. It's a fragment of collagen. And you can detect that absorbed into the bloodstream. So it's bizarre, really. And in skincare, we use collagen peptides all the time. So collagen peptides you'll find in a lot of skincare brands. And they trick the skin into producing more collagen when applied to the skin. So theoretically, is that what's going on to boost inverted commas collagen production? I don't know. So I think if you want to try it, try it and see. But I'm definitely not one to say, oh, it's a load of nonsense. There may be something in it. So you mentioned right back at the beginning about the study that you're undertaking. Do you want to give us a little bit more detail on that and where you are in in the study and when it will be finished, etc.? Yes, sure. So um, we are recruiting at the moment for the first part of the study. So we've divided the study into two parts. The first part is an observational study. It's a survey of people with psoriasis. And we're recruiting largely through social media and online platforms because we don't have NHS ethics for that part. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a questionnaire that's really easy to fill in online. And it looks at the diet habits of people with psoriasis And it compares what the diet habits are of people who have mild psoriasis to those who have more severe. And it also looked at lifestyle factors like sleep and stress and smoking and things like that as well. The second part of the study is a clinical trial. And in this part of the the study, we are applying for NHS ethics for that at the moment. And we're going to be putting people with psoriasis on one of three different diets. 
One is a Mediterranean diet. One is a type of diet called intermittent fasting. Have you come across that? Yes. So that's where you only eat foods in a certain um, time of the day because that's supposedly anti-inflammatory. So we want to see, is it? And uh, the third one is probably the trickiest arm, and that's intermittent fasting plus a Mediterranean diet. And it's a 12-week study, and we're going to look at the beginning at the end and see how patients respond to the treatment. We're taking blood samples, blood pressure, usual metrics. Um, And we're really wanting to know... Is it the quality of the food you eat? Is it weight loss? What is what is the most important factor here? And do these different diets all do the same thing or do they have wildly different effects on the skin? Oh, that's fantastic. And with the um, population, obviously, being psoriasis patients, but do you have, is it adults only? Is it, um, you're trying to have a mix of gender, ethnicity? Yes, so definitely adults only and a variable uh, gender. So it's 18 plus for recruitment into the study. And it's going to be running out of uh, Kings actually at St. Thomas's. And how do you actually ensure that they're all taking the Mediterranean diet? It's really hard. It's a really good question. I can't tell you how many hours of our lab meetings we've <laughs> spent discussing this. So we're putting together a um, recipe booklet, a food plan. We're providing some of the food because the cost of living is definitely going up. So it's important to be able to provide olive oil, nuts, key components of a Mediterranean diet. Patients will be logging their food in a diet diary online, similar to my fitness pal, but used for research purposes. And our PhD student is a nutritionist by training, so she will be doing follow-up phone calls with them and offer support as well throughout the process because actually that support is man- is mandatory. It's just non-negotiable. If you're doing something like that type of diet, you need help. Okay, and and with exclusion criteria then, is there any, any patients that you wouldn't want in? So say, I don't know if they're a smoker or obese is, is, or other, have other comorbidities. So uh, the trial is very inclusive, but we don't want anyone with a history of eating disorders or restrictive eating habits. Okay. Sounds very challenging, but I really look forward to hearing what the results are. Uh, Just another question about kind of salt intake with those patients. How are you going to control like seasoning and things like that? So there's only so much we can control, really. So we're really focusing on key elements of the Mediterranean diet, which are meant to be anti-inflammatory. So that's um, olive oil, oily fish and nuts and seeds as well. And also eating lots of different fruits and vegetables. And after the 12 weeks, then, are you going to see what the data is or have you got plans for anything after So we will obviously look at the data at the end of the 12 weeks and we would love to do, so this is an exploratory study, it's quite small, Mm -hmm. each arm only has a few patients, we really want to do a much bigger study later on. Fantastic, well I'm really looking forward to those results. Thank you. In addition to your own study, do you know of any other studies that are um, in the UK or worldwide at the moment similar? We don't know of any trials that are going on comparing specific diets. This will be the first that actually really compares head-to-head, like you would a drug, um, to different diets, and that's what makes it really unique. There have been studies in the past that have looked at different diets and psoriasis. So um, uh, there are, you know, like a more keto diet, so very low carbohydrates, very low calorie diets. Those have been looked at before. Fantastic. Uh, I think on that note, what we'll do is we'll ask you for any key take-home messages for the dermatology nurses listening to this around nutrition and dermatology. So nutrition seems to be really important to patients. And because it's important to patients, we need to know about it. 
Because if we don't fill that void of information, there are plenty of people online who have no qualifications or training who are willing to put across information that may not be helpful for our patient and, quite frankly, can be quite dangerous. Um, so it's important to read up about it. And I really hope that we'll be able to run a nutrition course for dermatology professionals later on, really help to upskill uh, our knowledge um, and improve the information we can give to patients. Fantastic. Thank you. Maybe Monday there'll be a BDNG subcommittee as well in, in nutrition and <laughs> <Yes>. dermatology. <laughs> well, on that note, just to say thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. And I'm sure the audience will take a lot away from your time. So thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For further information on the BDNG, visit our website bdng.org.uk and watch out for the next BDNG podcast, which is coming soon.